Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Uh, we are super excited today because we are welcoming a guest to the podcast. Uh, we're happy to welcome Holly Toronto. Hi, Holly. Hi, Hi everybody. Holly. Do you say Toronto or Toronto? I say Toronto. Okay. Um, and anytime I speak to somebody who's from Toronto, they're like, well, you know, it's Toronto, right? <laughs> you know, it's my name, right? Uh, so Holly, who are you and what do you do? Who am I? So my name is Holly Toronto. I am a health coach with a specialty in body image. And that can mean so many different things. But really what I help women do is I help them reclaim their power in terms of their body and in their relationship to food, focusing on health from a self-love and self-care perspective as opposed to restriction, deprivation, control, all of those types of things so that they can show up powerfully in their lives and in their relationships and in their work. Cool. Um, do you, is that like a thing you can like go to school for or like get training in? Like how, what, do you, are you official? I am official actually. Um, I find that to be very important in, in a role where you're actually supporting somebody to have training. It's incredibly important. So I did a coaching certification through Health Coach Institute, and a lot of people think health coach, that means specifically nutrition. And what I love so much about Health Coach Institute is that they give you foundational nutrition knowledge, but really where their strengths are is in the coaching skills. And so really helping somebody shift their mindset, shift their beliefs about themselves, shift their way of being from a habit perspective um, instead of just giving them a nutrition plan because we believe it's a paradigm in the, in the school that I was trained through that knowledge does not equal behavior change. It's really when you're able to shift your mindset. So I am trained through them. I've gone through, yeah, three levels of training at this point. So Awesome. Um, well, Daphne, do you want to say why you love Holly so yes. much? Yes. <laughs> this was very important for me to be here for this episode. Well, so Holly, I first met you at my Power Hour Women's Networking event. And immediately uh, when I learned of what you did and when I learned what your, what your work was and what your, what your passions are, I immediately felt incredibly aligned with you. Um, I immediately felt very deeply connected with you and I felt like everything that you were doing for women uh, is so important. I, it resonated deeply with me and... Um, and my experiences, uh, just as a woman and just my personal experiences with body and food. And I remember thinking to myself when I met you, thank goodness she exists. <laughs> I was like, thank goodness she exists in this world to, um, coach people through these big things when it comes to food and body image and self-love. And, um, and you are helping so many women and Holly was on one of my most recent panels in December uh, for Power Hour. So my my women's networking organization event, um, Holly, you were one of my panelists and you were such a star and everyone really loved everything you had to say. And that, and you're just, you know, beautiful and magnetic and <laughs> I love, I love hanging out with you. So that's why it was very important for me to be here. I just want to bring you everywhere with me. It makes me feel so good about myself. It's <laughs> definitely like a mutual admiration yeah, society for, for happening, sure. which for I love. Sure. Talk about how uh, yeah. we love each other. So Holly, you're so awesome and I'm so excited for the fun conversations the three of us are about to have. Well, Power Hour is where I first met you also. And um, when I heard you speak, you talked about how your personal experience led you to what you are now doing professionally. And I think that's um, true for just about everyone I meet who is working in the world of uh, fitness, wellness, nutrition, coaching, like any of that stuff. Um, and you've been really generous about sharing your story of how you got to being 
the coach that you are. Um, so can you share it with our listeners also? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you're so right. I mean, especially as heart-centered entrepreneurs, usually it's because of our own experience with, um, you know, going through, going down into the depths and emerging, like, hopefully victorious. <laughs> I love that. Um, I've never heard that before. Heart-centered entrepreneurs. Yeah. I love that. That's such yeah, a great... Like- a, a great title. Yeah. yeah. I think each and every one of us in this room is, is a heart-centered entrepreneur. For sure. Number one desire is to, to serve and help humanity, but also, you know, to make a great living for ourselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, happy to share my story, what brought me here. So I actually, before becoming a coach, I worked in the fashion industry. And I'm sure both of you can imagine the fashion industry is pretty ripe with body image issues. And and I definitely did not escape um, that conversation and the effects that that would have on me and my my self-esteem and how I was seeing myself. And I had struggled with female adult acne for about 10 years of my life. Also was consistently going up and down in my weight, trying all of these new like ways to manage my weight, even though um, for all, and I hate to to describe myself in this way, but I never had a quote unquote weight problem, to be totally honest with you. Um, But it was just this perception that I had of myself that I would be happier, I would fit in, I would be um, loved if I lost weight. Was there any of it that felt like in your career you would be more successful because it was fashion? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I would be able to wear certain trends right? Because there's so many trends that are not built for the majority of women's bodies. It's like, oh, if I could just dress better, if I could just represent myself in that way, then I would be more successful. So about three and a half years ago, after having experienced female adult acne and digestive issues for many years, I decided I was going to take a more holistic approach to my health, um, which would seem like it would be like a really positive step. Right, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can be. I want to just preface by saying that like, it could be a really positive step for people to approach their health from, from a more holistic perspective. However, for me, what that looked like was going on a really extreme elimination diet. So everybody knows this elimination diet. It's no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, no alcohol, no nightshades, no fun to add that in there. Fun causes inflammation in the body. <laughs> That's what's causing me to be inflamed. That makes so much more sense. Um, and this was supposed to be a very temporary experience. It was supposed to be about six weeks. And it turned into a much more long-term experience, closer to about a year, because something really, quote-unquote, important was happening as I was on this elimination diet, and it's that I was losing a lot of weight. So So weird how when you cut out almost all foods, you lose weight. (laughs) When you cut out all fun. (laughs) All the fun, all the foods. Um, Yeah, my my skin was not clearing up when I was on this uh, diet. In fact, it got worse in many ways. Um, I had also had really bad digestive issues. My digestive issues didn't go away. But again, I was losing a lot of weight. And with that, started to receive all of the, all of the praise, all of the accolades that come when a woman is successfully able to lose weight in this culture. And so I look back at that time in my life with a lot of gratitude because it actually brought me to where I am now. I decided to get my coaching certification at that time so that I could help other women lose weight in the same restrictive ways that I was losing weight. And that's totally a thing that happens when women see another woman lose weight is they immediately ask for help Mm -hmm. because, or, you know, how did you do it? What are you doing? What's working for you? Because so many things don't work. And um, so when you see someone lose a bunch of weight, I think it's totally intuitive for many of us who have been told for a long time that we ought to be losing weight and so then feel like failures for failing to do so to be like, can you help me do what you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what was happening. And and also there was this sense, like, I can't really describe it, and maybe you can relate or some of the listeners can re- relate, but there was this, like, void that was filled inside of me once my body was finally, like, completely socially acceptable. Like, there was this sense of, like, ooh, I, I belong now. I'm loved. I'm validated in this way. And so I really wanted to hold on to that, right? And so while all that was going on, you know, I was socially isolating. I wasn't going out with friends. I was eating before meeting friends and saying, oh, you know, I'm not hungry because I didn't want to be tempted to like eat these quote unquote bad foods when I was out with my friends. And 
it kind of all came to a head for me. My biggest turning point was when I almost destroyed this once-in-a-lifetime beautiful vacation with my husband. We were in Alaska on a cruise. I'd never been on a cruise before. It's quite a thing. (laughs) It's quite a thing. Food is quite a thing. And so here I was in front of this buffet of like delicious, amazing, indulgent foods and finding myself completely triggered. And I put up every defense that I possibly could. I was, you know, only eating from the salad bar and I was judging all of the people around me that were like letting loose and indulging and having fun with the food and judging my husband and telling him that we would never go on a vacation like this ever again. And he had to sit down and have a, a loving conversation with me like, hey, you know, this is your, this is your thing. Like, and you're kind of ruining this trip for me a little bit. And like, you don't seem very happy. So what's going on with you? And so when I got really honest and I was looking at, looked at what I was creating, I realized that I, my entire sense of self-worth, my entire sense of value was wrapped up in maintaining this thin body. And that's the only reason that I had stayed on that elimination diet for so long. And I was terrified that if I had let myself off of it, I would gain back all of this weight and lose the love and appreciation and validation that I had received. And that was like a, whoa, okay. Like, <laughs> That's quite a vacation realization. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so as Synergy would have it, I had just discovered this, this book called Intuitive Eating. I honestly can't even tell you how it landed in my lap, but I brought it with me on this vacation. And I just was reading it and saw myself so clearly in – I was so enmeshed with diet culture and the diet mentality that I couldn't – I didn't know what was truly mine and what was meant for my body, what was right for my body and what was being told to me that I should be doing. And so, yeah, I came back from that vacation. I did a lot of deep work on myself. I I knew I had to throw away the old paradigm that I couldn't be responsible for other people having the same experience of their body and their relationship to food that I was having. And yeah, completely turned my practice around and started focusing on on self-love and intuitive eating and um, just allowing health to be someone's own unique expression instead of, instead of having it have to be solely focused on weight and weight loss. Yeah. What a generous and brave partner to um, be brave enough and, and aware enough to have that conversation. I think um, it is so hard to talk to someone you love about um, a behavior or behaviors that they are doing that are hurtful to you and or you think might be hurtful to them. Mm-hmm. And it is also so hard to hear that from yeah. someone mm-hmm. that you love. Um, so props to your husband because that is like a huge thing and props to you for hearing it because yeah. it is not easy to hear yeah. when someone you love says like, something's up with you. Um, But yeah, partners out there, like strive to be (laughs) that for your partner. That's huge. Um, So what kinds of um, issues or concerns are clients dealing with when they come to talk to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that there's three main issues that my clients are usually struggling with when they come to me. The first one I would say would be food and body fixation, where they they come to me saying, you know, like there's just so much energy and so much brain space being devoted to how my body looks and what foods are going into my body and my body and trying to just like control it constantly. Like I can't. It gets in the way of my creativity. It gets in the way of my work, my relationships. So that's like one really big pervasive issue. Um, reporting for duty. That is basically <laughs> totally. exactly what I said to you when we started working together mm-hmm. a couple of years ago is like, this is, I'm, I'm like always thinking about it and every, everything that I do related to it feels wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was my life for decades. <laughs> that was my life for decades. For me, it was, you know, the Wall Street like ticker tape on the bottom where it's just like the Dow and it's mm-hmm. just numbers and numbers and numbers. I... I didn't know what life was like starting at age for me it was around three four five as early as I can remember being fixated and preoccupied 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 and fixated with um, the foods I was consuming the foods I was not consuming um, how my body looked at that present moment and the ticker tape even though I thought I was present 
in my day-to-day life activities, and this is going like elementary school, middle school, high school, college, um, I thought I was present, appeared present, but I didn't know what life was like to not be thinking or preoccupied or fixated with, um, with food and with body and um, everything that comes along with that. And it is really incredible when you finally throw away that ticker tape <laughs> that's going behind your, you know, behind your eyeballs, and it's like food, 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 food. What should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? How much of this uh, negotiating with yourself? What have I eaten today? What should I still eat? And um, it was amazing, starting when you do let go of that, or when you throw that ticker tape away. How much more mental, emotional physical and cognitive energy you have to live your life and to devote towards other things that actually fill you with happiness and gratitude and things that are your passions. Totally. So, so yeah, totally understand. Yeah. (laughs) And I think like something that I just want to point to and what you're saying is for you at age three, four, five, like Mm -hmm. think about, yeah, Yeah. like Mm -hmm. how that's being created in in us as, as women. It's such a young age, you know, the stats are pretty pretty powerful in that like 42% of girls like seven to eight years old think that they need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's a huge percentage and that's the percentage that's informing the 91% of women that are currently dissatisfied with their bodies. So it truly starts at such a young age and then it's just, it's kind of just how we're socialized Mm -hmm. basically um, our entire lives. So some clients are coming to you with with that fixation. Mm -hmm. You said there were two other main... Yes. So... The other one that I would say is like probably the second biggest is um, what I call one day thinking. So women who are coming to me saying, okay, well, once I lose the weight, once my body changes, then I'll be happy. Then I'll pursue the relationship. Then I can deserve the career, wear the bathing bathing suit, do the travel, all of those types of things. And it keeps us in this place where we're just like slightly out of reach of living the life that we want to live. And the truth is, is that life is happening right now. And there's nothing for the most part that we couldn't do in the bodies that we exist in today. It's just a story. It's a story that we've been told. It's a story that we've uh, created and, and held true for ourselves. And so helping women break down those barriers and start to live their lives unapologetically in their bodies today is probably my favorite part of my job. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a big issue that, that I find amongst my clients. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Yeah. That's so huge. Yeah. Um, and that's so aligned with, uh, with um, just human behavior. Um, so many people thinking that they cannot or that they don't deserve those things until they either hit a certain number on a scale or until they fit into something specifically or until they look a certain way feeling like they don't deserve to live a happy, abundant life until that happens. And then from an energetic and attraction standpoint, and when I say attraction, I, 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 I love this, you guys, like laws of attraction, right? It's like when you start to actually be happy, you attract more happiness to yourself and to your life as it is. So you, essentially with what you do, you enhance their quality of life and then they continue to attract more amazing things. Yeah, it's the concept of be, do, have versus mm-hmm. have, do, be. So we're, <laughs> our culture tells us, like, if once you have the thing, then you'll be able to do the thing, and then you'll be the thing, right? So, like, if you think about that in terms of weight loss, it's like once you have the body, then you can pursue the relationship, then you'll be happy and loved, right? But it's actually the other way around. It's when we know that we're happy and we're loved that our, what I call your own unique expression of health will come through because you're honoring and caring for your body for health's sake as opposed to for weight loss sake. And then whatever wants to come through you, whether that's a relationship or a career change or uh, travel, wearing certain clothes, like that will come through that. But it doesn't start with the, the, the end result, basically. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else that you want to be sure to mention about like what what people are dealing with when they're coming to you? I would say just the third one, and it's it's pretty related to the one day thinking. It's uh, a sense of self. Their sense of self worth is completely enmeshed with their body image. So their sense of being enough 
in this world is like solely related to their bodies. And it's, it's interesting to help people uncover that, like where that might be showing up for them in just conversation where I'm like, what is your body to you right now? And it's like, it's just not enough. And it's like, it's really what's at the root of that is their belief that they themselves are not enough. And so it's kind of building their sense of what I call enoughness from the ground up. I think it's easy as a normal person to um, hear like talking about these things and then to feel um, double sense of guilt. So the guilt for not having the body and then the guilt for not being able to um, like surmount those feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think it's important to talk about the fact that like this diet culture exists um, that creates these beliefs for us, that it's not that we are stupid or we are bad. It's that we are living under, uh, in a culture that promotes these ideas and, um, breaking out of it is hard. Um, so I know that you, um, think a lot about diet culture and sort of where that comes from and and what, um, kinds of messages it gives us. Can you sort of talk a little bit about like what, how you think about diet culture and what, what it does to our, our precious little souls. <laughs> oh, I get really riled up. Okay, so um, diet culture is a manifestation of patriarchy, and we live in a patriarchy. Right? Um, can I have this on a shirt, please? <laughs> I love that. That's that's gonna be an Instagram uh, a meme. The, yeah, yeah, we're making that into a meme. Yes. That's that's a powerful and awesome um, statement. Talk about what that means, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so diet culture is a manifestation of patriarchy. It's a system of beliefs that has told women for probably about the past century and a half that their weight and their size is what defines them. And when once they have those things, then they'll be worthy and, and deserving of living the life that they want to live and to stop at nothing until they get to that ideal, right? And so it keeps women in this place of like, always reaching for the next diet, yo-yo dieting, um, losing themselves in, in weight loss and trying to pursue this ideal and never getting there. And it's, it's truly, it's oppression in many ways. Um, there's a, a, an amazing, I call her an activist. She's like a, uh, a virtual mentor of mine. I've never met her before. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have ever <laughs> have, sure. have, have, have people like that in your life, but she calls um, diet culture, the life thief. It, it steals so so much from you. Um, her name is Christy Harrison. I want to. I don't want. She's oh, been on the show. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's food psych. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Shout out to Christy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's incredible, and and I've learned so much from her. And yeah, it, it truly it steals so much of your life, and it's it exists to oppress in many ways. And you know, there's a the diet industry is a 60 billion dollar industry so there's a vested interest a lot of profits at stake um, that yeah a vested interest in keeping women in this place of dissatisfaction with their body and I think also I mean you talked about like how much time we spend and Daphne you referenced this too that when you have that ticker tape going through your mind you're not present you are spending a lot of energy on managing weight and size and um that's on purpose. Like when women are focused on that, they aren't running for office. They aren't um, starting companies. They aren't, you know, uh, changing the way things are run in their schools. Like um, keeping... they're trying to do that, but they're not fully present. Mm-hmm. And there's still stress and anxiety and sadness and depression in the background that m- many that they probably won't even show. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, too. Totally. And um, to clear that energy and to move past those feelings is really important so mm-hmm. that a woman can fully commit herself mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, energetically to, you know, changing the world. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more than, you know, the name of my my coaching practice is called Love Your Body. And I think that gets confused a lot with conventional attractiveness that once somebody works with me, that they'll all of a sudden find themselves to be conventionally attractive by society's standards. And that's not the case. It's shattering the ideals entirely, knowing that that this external appearance, it's just a piece of you. And there's so much more depth to your being than just your external appearance. And that's really what, 
what I consider loving your body is is releasing it from the unrealistic expectation to define your worth. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're just big skin sacks. Yes. You know? That's right. Like, <laughs> I always say, we're, we're just, just a big, sack of skin. Yeah, we're just skin and bones and muscle just containing our, our awesome positive energies. Like that's at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's what the human body is. I get so shocked. Well, so I've been in this world of um, this body positive world for, for years now. So I've been a trainer since I was 22. So now we're, we're, we're talking like 11 years that I've been in this, this world where in the personal training world, when I started in the industry, I decided right off the bat, I was going to pave my own way in the industry. And, um, interestingly enough, healing my own relationship with my own body as I dove into the personal training world, which somehow led into this world of me becoming a nutrition counselor and then me getting um, trained in non-diet weight management. So essentially helping people um, helping people view nutrition and food and exercise as a way of benefiting their health versus losing weight. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I remember going through that certification when I was in my early 20s to help other people with it. Oddly enough, totally like healing myself through the process and reading things in a manu- in a textbook. Um, that's uh, that an awesome. I I can't remember the names of the two authors. It was actually a husband and wife couple who wrote this book. So yay for that that male supporter. I, I, we're all the three of us are really lucky. We have some really awesome yeah. awesome counterparts in our lives. Um, but getting certified in non diet weight management and essentially a a way to help people view food and nutrition and view exercise as a way to feel positive about themselves and as a way to nurture their bodies versus as a way of abusing their bodies. Um, And then crazily enough, that ended up helping me so much as well. So in my, in my years of being a trainer, um, I've kind of I, I've like dove headfirst into this world where I feel like the network I attract into my life, the people I attract into my life, we are all so aligned with our beliefs, the podcasts I listen to, um, the people I meet. We are all so aligned when it comes to our vision and our goals to you know help other people feel awesome about their bodies that it is shocking for me when I turn on the TV and Nutrisystem is still playing with freaking Mary, uh, one of the Osmond woman, uh, what's her last, what's her name? Marie. Marie. Mary, Mary. Um, and it's still like lose 13 pounds guaranteed in your first two weeks on Nutrisystem. It's a meal delivery system and you get it sent to your, and I'll watch this and I'm like, I can't believe this still exists. And I'll go to Dwayne Reed to like pick up, um, you know, gum or a chapstick and I'm like, oh my gosh, SlimFast is still a product. SlimFast still <laughs> exists. And you look at the ingredients, it's just like complete crap. It's mm. just all chemicals. Um, I remember a client coming to me many years ago, getting ready for her wedding. And she would have a SlimFast for dessert because it still gave her her chocolate fix. And I was like, wait, why, why don't you just have some chocolate? <laughs> why don't you just have <laughs> some, so some dark chocolate? Um, I look at the ingredient list of meal replacement bars. Ingredient number two, it's like hydrogenated palm oils, and then you have high fructose corn syrup as ingredient number one. And then, but calorically, it's a little bit less than like than dark chocolate. So you know, really, it's like our we are so warped. Mm in our mindset. America as a whole, it's like this national eating disorder where people really have no idea what to eat and what not to eat. And people have no idea. Um, uh, people think that we should be eating Slim Fast and then Special K because apparently if we have a bowl of Special K in the morning and then a bowl of Special K for lunch and then a sensible dinner, we all know which commercial I'm talking about, yeah. right? This was all throughout 2007, 2008. Tell I remember that. this. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I remember being in a dance company at the time and all of us had big Ziploc baggies of Special K with strawberries that we would just eat around 12 and we'd all sit there doing it together because the commercials told us to. Totally. Like, this is bonkers. Like, me as a, I like, I'm so, I'm grateful for those experiences because they got me to where we are today. But for me, 
it's still so shocking and so upsetting that this diet culture and the infomercials and the products, um, Joanna and I, we were just talking yesterday about all these crazy products that are being um, displayed on Shark Tank and they're these products to spray in your mouth, to kill your appetite. Um, these like supplements where you have to take 30 pills and it's, it's just... Um, it's a mess. So it's stressful. Mess. <laughs> no, well, I wanted so, to say... Yeah. Um, so that's my little thing on the, the whole diet mentality. Yeah. That's... I, I think it's the media... I think the media is... And I think advertising and big corporations are freaking brainwashing people. I think we have to be careful about how it's evolving too because there are generations that still subscribe to the weight loss, uh, I'm sorry, Slim Fast and Weight Watchers path. Weight Watchers is trying to get younger and younger. You know, there's a big uprise right now in the body positive community because Weight Watchers is, is potentially starting a new program. I don't know if it's officially gone through yet because there has been such a a backlash um, that this summer they're going to be offering Weight Watchers for free to teenagers. Oh, wow. (laughs) Does this remind you of any other things in our culture that are bad for you, but people make money? For example, cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Drugs. The first hit is free. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If it's the same sales pattern, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Holly, you sent um, me a list of diet culture beliefs or behaviors, and I just wanted to sort of like run through the list because I think it's helpful to hear them in this context because they are so common that it can be hard to remember like, oh, this is abnormal. Just because everyone does it doesn't mean that it's correct. Um, So some of them including um, avoiding certain food groups as a whole. Every single one of us listening or in this room knows several people who don't eat whatever food group. Mm-hmm. Um, following a diet for weight loss reasons um, instead of uh, like a diagnosed medical reason or a religious reason, for example. Um, associating morality with food, saying that foods are good or foods are bad. I hear this yeah, all the time. We talk time. about it a lot. Too. About it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just counting Counting calories, counting grams of fat, counting points, anything that involves um, datafying what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, punishing yourself through exercise or restriction after perceived overindulgence. Uh, I was like so bad this weekend, so now I'm gonna, uh, uh, you know, only salads this week. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm gonna punish myself at the gym. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and isolating to avoid temptations to eat certain foods. This is a thing we may not know that people around us are doing. Um, but it's a thing. I did that that, Mm -hmm. for sure under the guise of, Ooh, I'm just really, I'm really healthy and I only eat clean. And so I can't guarantee that what's going to be at that restaurant is clean enough for my body, good enough for Mm -hmm. my body. And so I'm just going to not go. Well, and that is a tricky thing that the, when you were talking about like the generations, the sort of like slim fast and weight watchers, I think women our age often think that we are free of these issues because we're not talking about them in the same language. Um, And like we talk about clean eating on our show, but there is a real danger in talking about foods as like clean or unclean because then you're kind of right back in the same mentality of Mm -hmm. like certain foods being good and certain foods being bad. Um, So that's a thing that, that I've thought a lot about in terms of how we talk about it on the show because there are legitimate reasons to encourage people to eat real foods, yep. um, but also there are plenty of people who aren't doing any of the things that we associate with like the diets of our parents' generation that are still disordered eating. Exactly, exactly. So when clients come to you, um, when you talk about what the goals are, what are some of the goals that you and your clients are working towards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I would say like each client is, is, is super unique in what they actually bring to the table. The, the one thing that I always say that to my clients when they first start working with me or we're talking about working together is I cannot help you lose weight. So if that is a goal for you, then I am not the right coach. You may or may not lose weight in working with me you'll likely get a lot healthier and you're going to have a sense sense of self-worth and value um, and self-love that you never thought possible, a sense of freedom and autonomy in your body and your relationship to food. So ultimately the goal is to unlearn the diet culture behaviors, 
introduce new, more supportive beliefs, help them tune into their body and listen to what their body actually wants, um, teaching them how to eat for appetite's sake as opposed to, um, and, and, and this is something that I, I like to be very weary of, of sharing too because it's it's not to say like if you eat past the point of fullness at some point that all of a sudden you're bad again but it's actually just teaching people to tune in and listen to their body because diet culture has caused us to outsource our our sense of what our bodies need or how much food our bodies need because there's like all of these rigid rules around eating times and portion control and all of those types of things but it's really just like a coming home to your body if I could just sum it up in that way, a coming home to your body, what works for your body. And then there's a, a, a whole piece on living your life unapologetically in the body that you're in. And so I, I love to tell a story of a client that I'm currently still working with. She's, she's just so amazing. Um, she came to me in a, in a bigger body, has always been in a bigger body, yet she's really strong. And she loves to work out. She loves to be active. And she has a secret desire to be a personal trainer. Yet she didn't feel like she could because of the body that she was in, that people wouldn't take her seriously because of her size. Since we started working together, she's actually pursuing a personal training certification. And she's one of the strongest students in the class. Like she holds planks longer than some of the the male students in the class. She's strong mentally and that she's one of the highest test scores in the class like and she's just filled with this sense of of joy and happiness and fulfillment that she didn't think was possible and we don't know if her body has really changed like because we don't track those types of things we're not weighing and measuring and all of those types of things but what she can say is that she's never felt more fulfilled and never felt happier and she's really healthy too she just went to the doctor she has she did a full panel and she's a very very healthy person and so um as much as we can, the client and I take away the stigma around health and weight, like Mm -hmm. weight and health being associated with one another, separate those two things, helping them focus on health for health's sake, uh, feeling autonomy and liberation in their body. That's, that's the ultimate goal. Totally. So huge and so powerful. And it's, it goes to show people can rewrite their stories and people can start new chapters and create new identities and people can rewire their subconscious and they can um they can reprogram their minds and people can release subconscious blockages and people can release previous traumas and then all of a sudden they can live their happiest life possible and that's so important yeah yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we've talked about on the show before is, like, your weight may never change mm-hmm. or it may never go down. Mm-hmm. You Like, there's only a certain amount of control over that that you have, and it's very small. And so if that is true, like, if, you, if I could say to you right now, like, you are never going to weigh less than you do today, what, what could you do? Like, what would you do if you just knew that wasn't ever going to change? And how would you um, move forward? And I think that that um, loving your body as it is right now is um, is so important because it's about releasing yourself to do the things like you were saying that you're waiting to do. Yep. Um, so you brought us uh, five steps to loving your body mm-hmm. uh, as it is today. Um, so I thought we could go through them. Yes. Um, the first one, I think, is uh, pretty clear-cut. Ditch diets. Yeah. <laughs> we can move on to step two. That's clear. <laughs> Have we convinced you yet that you shouldn't be dieting? I love what you said about um, the intuitive eating and trusting your body's hunger cues. And Joanna, that's something you and I spoke about right off the bat when we first started working together and things we've spoken about in episodes before. And, and things I learned uh, when I went through this, this coaching course. When people go on diets, it is taking them completely out of touch with their bodies. And they're making their food choices completely based on external cues versus internal cues. Versus actually listening to what their body needs versus whether or not they're hungry or they're full 
or um, or if they need sustenance or if they're satisfied. And instead, these diet programs, they say, all right, set your alarm to eat at 8, 12, 4 p.m., and then 6 p.m., and then... Um, and then this is another interesting thing too. I've had some people tell me in the, in the, with their experience of, with Weight Watchers, at the end of the day, they'll actually be full and not hungry, but they'll think, oh, I still have four points left. So I get to eat still. Yay. And I'm going to, even though they weren't actually hungry, but the chart says that they still have four points. So if they still have four, four points, then they're going to eat something. Mm-hmm. Or being done with your points, uh, and whether or not Weight Watchers is on the point system right now, I have no idea. And I actually don't know that much about the point system. I just know that it's a thing. And I just know that this is what one client in particular told me. Being done with your points, but still being hungry. Still being hungry. Or only eating something that comes out of a package, like a meal replacement bar. Because it says on the back of the bar, this is 280 calories, and therefore, that is all I'm allowed to have. And then eating that, and having that be a meal, but maybe still feeling hungry afterwards. So it's almost like this diet culture tells us what to eat, when to eat. And you hear a lot of people oftentimes say, this would, life would just be so easy if someone just figured out all my food for me, or if, if someone cooked all my food for me, or if I just had it delivered every single day, just so I don't have to think about it. Or life would be so easy if um, I just knew exactly what to eat and when to eat. And I always get a little, whenever I hear that, and I hear that pretty often with people, with clients, students, and just in life, and there's always a moment of panic for me where I'm like, no, like that's that's actually yes. It sounds easy. It sounds like it would be easy. It sounds like it would be, um, I don't know, beneficial maybe. But in my mind, I'm like, but that's not intuitive eating. Yeah. Just eating those three square meals at those times of day uh, at that time of day because it's been delivered to you in a package. That's the opposite of intuitive eating. And you also have to ask yourself why, like. Why is it that you feel someone just needs to tell you what to eat? Because a lot of that is because of the very pervasive issue of fat phobia. Because we don't trust ourselves and that we're going to eat intuitively for our bodies. If we allow ourselves to eat intuitively, we're going to eat all of the quote-unquote bad foods and we're going to get fat. And with that, we're, we're going to lose all of the my same situation lose all the love all the praise all the attention we're going to be kicked out of the tribe in a way Mm -hmm. and yeah and so it keeps us in this place of like somebody just tell me what I what I have to eat so that I can maintain my place in society Mm -hmm. yeah diets are bad you guys they don't work (laughs) and they're bad for you so don't do them anything that tells you what you can and can't eat is a diet don't do it (laughs) anything that has a replacement plan in it too like replace this with this or only eat Eat this not that yes it's all a diet Solid mm-hmm. diet. Don't do it. Ditch it. Um, so your second step is to embrace food neutrality. Can you talk about what that means? Yeah. So embracing food neutrality really means that all foods are on your menu. So that's what I tell my clients. Like when they come to me, I'm like, okay, what's on your menu right now? And it's usually grilled chicken and broccoli is on <laughs> is on their menu. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, let's look at what's not on your menu and start to add things back in, right? And so a lot of times that's carbs. We're adding carbs back into their diet and kind of unlearning the belief that carbs are going to kill you and make you fat and all of those types of things. Um, but basically what what's underneath this principle is that it's allowing you to have the power back. I don't like to say control. It's not like putting you in control over food because that implies a lot of disordered tendencies, but it puts you back in the driver's seat. It allows you to reclaim your autonomy from food. And so the the first step to this is something that I learned from intuitive eating, and it's giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. Unconditional permission to eat whatever you want, whenever you want it. And that's a terrifying concept for a lot of people, especially chronic dieters. But the thing is, is that even from, um, from a biological perspective, when we're restricting food, survival mode kicks in. And that's why diets don't work, right? So our metabolism slows down, our energy levels decrease so that our bodies can conserve. 
But on a psychological level, when we're even telling ourselves, I can't have this food, so I can't have sugar, I can't have bread, it actually causes compulsive behaviors and erratic thoughts around those foods. And so that's why people are able to sort of maintain it for a short period of time, say, I don't know, Monday through Thursday, and then they feel like they quote unquote go crazy on Friday through Sunday. It's because they've been restricting all week and it's a very natural, it's a very natural reaction to restriction. To behave that way around food and so really what food neutrality and unconditional permission to eat is doing is allowing you to have autonomy in your body and it takes away the emotional response to food it takes away the emotional response to oh i was so good today i was so bad today um yeah and just allows you to 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 make choices that are in alignment with how you want to feel and sometimes that might look like pizza and other times it might look like, I don't know, cow. <laughs> I hesitate to say cow because I don't really like cow. <laughs> <laughs> Holly does not like kale. Like um, and that's fine because part of it is like, if you don't like a food, don't waste your time eating it. Yeah. I love that. Um, your third step is update your self-talk. Mm-hmm. Um Update it how? Yeah, so it's kind of something that we already talked about a little bit already, the idea of uh, be, do, have versus have, do, be. And when we're in that place of like, oh, my body is so unattractive, my body is so gross, I need to lose weight, I'm so whatever, fill in the blank. Um, we're going to create experiences that, that mirror that, right? We're going to find evidence to support those thoughts and beliefs that we've created in our head. And... Really, it's, it's, uh, it's not, I'm not saying that it's an easy thing, but like once we're able to shift to my body is perfect just the way it is, I love myself just as I am today, and even just saying those affirmations and doing what I call mirror work, it's something I learned through Louise Hay. Are you familiar with Louise Hay? No. So it's something that a lot of my clients have a hard time doing because it feels very woo-woo and like meta, but it's basically looking in the mirror and saying to yourself, I love you just as you are. I love you just as you are. And there's something really, a really powerful shift that happens where you suddenly see yourself as so much more than this external appearance. Um, and it's a really beautiful shift to watch happen. I had a client who um, super resistant to doing the mirror work idea, yet previously to working with me couldn't look in the mirror like without crying like she'd literally like brush her hair just to make sure she looked semi-professional and run away and now from doing this work updating her self-talk she's um she's looking in the mirror and saying okay I'm okay and that's so profound to have that experience of like I can't even look at myself to saying I'm okay Mm-hmm. And then being able to go out into the world knowing that she's okay, just as she is. Totally. I think mm-hmm. um, when we talk about like self-love and loving your body, I think um, there's some good writing out there about how that can feel like too aspirational for some people and, and can like, I'm never going to feel that way about my body. So like, why do any of this work or why like even try? And I think like what you just said is so powerful because just getting to I'm okay, like, is enough, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you don't have to think that you're, like, the hottest person alive. If you can get to a place where it's, like, my body is my body, just, like, this food is this food, and um, it's neither good nor bad, it's just what it is, and I can, like, move beyond it. Um, For some people, that, I think, is an easier thing to imagine, Mm -hmm. in which case, like, go for that. Yeah. And the thing too, with affirmations, there, there is, there, there, uh, there's research out there. Like affirmations do affect the human brain, which then affect the human body on a very biological level. So, um, uh, there for, for people who either are resistant to trying that, you know, I, I challenge people to be open to like this, this, the mirror affirmations Because um, from a from a scientific level, it is really really powerful what happens on a chemical perspective when uh, when we train our brains. And essentially, it's it's possible to reprogram your subconscious, and it's it's possible to 
to make shifts in your brain with affirmations and with words. And then if that's something to enhance your quality of life, then my challenge to people who are resistant is just be open and give it a shot. And like literally the worst thing that happens is you waste a minute of your time, right? Like totally no one else has to be in the room with you. Mm -hmm. No one else has to ever know that you did it. Like the worst thing that happens is you talk to yourself in a mirror for 60 seconds and are like, well, I hated that. Um, like, and that's not so bad. We do things we hate for more than a minute every day. Like dieting. Yeah. Right. Or even just like taking the train to work. It's like, I hate that, but like it has to happen and I do it and I get through it and like move to the rest of my day. Uh, so like, if you're feeling resistant to it, like the, the worst thing that happens is fine. So just, you know, yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something else that I just want to add to what you were saying, Joanna, about, um, you know, people feeling like I hate my body so much, so it's not even worth it for me to even try to do this and to even just get to the point of like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's so powerful because as much as we can move away from the paradigm that a woman's value and worth is attached to her appearance, the better off we are going to be. So doing affirmations, doing this work, isn't about looking in the mirror and being like, I'm so beautiful and I'm so attractive and now I fit in. It's not about that. It's about truly disconnecting your external appearance from your worth and your value and what you can contribute to this world. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, And that sort of leads into your next tip, which is, Live the life you desire in the body you're in. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Yeah, just do it. Do it right now. <laughs> a lot easier said than done. And mm-hmm. this is probably the, the portion of my work that I feel the most excited to support people around. And it's the most challenging because there is just this belief that like, okay, well, like, but I still have to lose the weight or I still have to change before I can have the thing. Um and again, it brings it back to the be, do, have versus have, do, be. And so that's really what's underneath this principle. And I think the the most powerful example I can offer of this is my client who wanted to be the personal trainer and finally gave herself permission to do that and is experiencing just complete fulfillment and complete joy um, in her life. And, you know, I also bring it back to my own personal experience because it honestly wasn't until very recently that my skin finally cleared up. And it was literally just a matter of me releasing it and surrendering it and allowing my body to heal in the way that it needed to. I I did nothing to clear my skin um, other than just wait. (laughs) And there was a a large chunk of time where I wanted to avoid being seen, being on video, speaking um, on panels or doing talks and workshops because I was like, ooh, my skin is still not it's not where I want it to be and people aren't going to take me seriously and they're going to think who is this woman who has acne and all of that type of stuff and so um, I had to, to do work on myself and decide to let that story go and know that I still can contribute to this conversation if I have acne I can still be seen and if I have acne it means nothing about me there's no shame in it um, and so that's a just my own personal experience around living the life that you want to live, doing the things that you want to do in the body that you are in today. Totally. And some of that is just um, listening to yourself enough to to think, to realize what you're waiting for. Um, because I think it's, it's easy to not really be listening to yourself talk, that it's just sort of happening and you're, you're not paying attention. But I think, um, yeah, just pausing enough to realize like, oh, I'm avoiding doing this because of this thing about my body. Um, Oh, I just said to myself that like, I'm not going to go to the beach because I don't want to wear the swimsuit or I'm not going to go on this type of vacation because it's going to mean dressing in such and such a way. Or like I have to put off my wedding because, you know, I need more time to lose the weight. Um, Just the first step is realizing what you're waiting for and what you're putting off. So that then you can say, like, what would happen if I did that now and didn't wait? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's, the, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. And often what we tell ourselves the worst thing that could happen is, is that, like, we lose the love and affection of everyone we know. And, like, <laughs> that, like never happens. It's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. Never it's, happens. It's just not going to happen. And if there are people in your life who are that wound up in what you look like, good riddance. Yeah. A lot of people think too that if they decide to live their life 
unconditionally, unapologetically in the body that they're in today is that they're somehow betraying themselves, right? Right. They're betraying their body. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, exactly. Like, that would be a, doing themselves a disservice because, like, well, I would just give up and then I would never lose the weight. And I'm like, that's the point. Like, yeah. you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, like, giving that piece of it up because mm-hmm. that is not what's going to get you the thing that mm-hmm. you want. Because how many times have we heard, you know, an example of somebody who did lose all the weight and they got to that point and they're just like, <sighs> Like, it's still there. I still I still don't have the thing. I still don't feel the happiness, the fulfillment, the self-acceptance. And or, and this was my experience, I got down to, on my diet, like, my quote-unquote happy weight. I think I had done some sort of quiz years ago on one of those, like, stupid diet culture websites. And there was this happy weight that I hadn't been since I was probably in middle school. And this website was telling me this is where I should be. And I had gotten below that. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder how much more I could lose, right? And so it just keeps us in this place of like, how, like how much more? How much more can I lose? How much more can I shrink? Um, so yeah, that's just do the thing now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an important like, mentality. A lot of yeah. people also think that about money and career too, and they think yeah, that they, if I could just make the next, mm-hmm, like I'll raise. be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I make X amount of dollars, or I'll be happy when I make it to this aspect of my career. Um, if I make it to this. But if I make X amount of dollars, then that means I'm a worthy person or, and then you hear stories of people reaching what they thought would bring them happiness and they're not mm-hmm. happy. It's like you have to create the happy now. Um, you have to make happiness your homeostasis and that goes across the board with body and with, with yourself and with your current life. It's I like think about this with career. For, career all the time because um being an actor and being surrounded by surrounded by a lot of actors um the one thing that I have realized is the desire for the next thing never goes away like you have never achieved you never like wipe your hands and say like I have achieved it I am done Mm -hmm. and now I can now I get to be happy there's always the next level and and part of striving in some areas of our life is really positive Um, but we will always feel that need to strive in some parts of our lives. And so that means we cannot wait to achieve those things to be happy. Um, and so... And a lot of times those things happen when you are happy. Sure. Yeah, (laughs) totally. You find, find your happy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, be happy is not a helpful piece of advice. Um, (laughs) but what is helpful, I think, is saying like, okay, you can keep striving for that thing you want in your career or keep like looking for that relationship or whatever. In the meantime, how can you make your life the best life you can have? Because like, what if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Like, what can you do today to make today great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If assuming that today is not going to be the day you win an Oscar, mm-hmm. you know, um, like what, what can make today great? Yeah. It's like how the law of attraction and the law of detachment actually work together, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want the thing, you hold the vision and then you release it and you just be in the present moment yeah. with yourself mm-hmm. and have happiness be your homeostasis that was so beautiful I think that should be on a t-shirt totally well and I made it into a meme <laughs> good job it's on my Instagram <laughs> um so uh, talking about all these steps um as you said it's like easier to say than it is to do and I think related to that your last step mm-hmm. is find support and community and I think this is uh it's critical mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would say it's the piece that holds it all together because you know as as a tribe of women, we've learned these behaviors together, right? We've learned how to diet together. We've learned how to value ourselves based on our external appearance together. We've learned how to overachieve together. We've learned all of these things in community. And as much as we've learned them together, we can unlearn them together. And I think that's really the power of community is coming together, sharing our, our stories together, not, not hiding behind the shame of them anymore, bringing them to the light so that we can release them and write a new story. And I just think that happens so powerfully in communities of women. So that's something that like bigger picture, I would love to to build like just a large community of women that's speaking this language of body positivity, ditching the diets, uh, tuning into their to their own unique needs and their own unique expression of health and living their life unapologetically. Um, and yeah, so building community, absolutely really important. And then on top of that, um, 
I think of I think of social media as like it's community building and in, in many ways because we create followings and communities online and I think that social media can be a really great place to feel disempowered <laughs> and to uh-huh. hate ourselves further um, but it can also be a really great tool for building community around the idea of body positivity and so as much as someone can optimize their social media in support of their growth and their empowerment to do that so unfollowing as, as much as I hate to say like unfollowing but if some if somebody or something triggers you on your social media feed like unfollowing that and then allowing yourself to follow people who are living their lives unapologetically in their bodies because there's a lot of them totally. um, and it's just so inspiring to witness and, and now I find that like fewer and fewer of like the the uh, archetypes of like what women should like should look like are showing up on my Instagram feed and more and more just awesome amazing women and diverse bodies and skin colors and gender identifications all those types of things are showing up on my my feeds and it's it's healing for me mm-hmm. now yeah I am um, a couple months ago I realized that like I just I'm not a super fashionable person um but I do like you know care about what I how I dress myself and like I want to dress myself in a way that I feels like expresses myself and that make leaves me feeling great but I found that like all of the fashion or clothing related stuff I was looking at was body types that I don't have um and so I I thought like oh like I'm sure there are Instagram accounts for like fashionable women whose bodies look like mine I'm just gonna follow a bunch and see what happens um and it has been fantastic I'm just like never sorry to see like a picture of women looking totally fierce in whatever body that they happen to have and it it was two clicks like it really was not hard to change that um input that I'm getting just to like tweak it more towards like what I want to be thinking about and how I want to be thinking about myself was um, we can um, link in the show notes to some of our favorite accounts to follow yes. uh, for building that that social community that online social media community all communities are social yeah. <laughs> um, but also cool. in terms of finding support sometimes that means a professional mm-hmm. and I think that you know that is why I started seeing Daphne we were friends before but seeing her in her professional context was really important for me um, because I needed a pro um, and it's made a real difference. Um, you know, I know that Daphne isn't going to accidentally say something that's going to like send me into a spiral or like friends are great. They're also like suffering from the same things that you are a lot of the time. And um, you can be the best friend to them if you get professional help if you need it. Um, and whether that's a therapist or a nutrition counselor who is body positive like Daphne or, um, you know, a health coach like Holly, um, talking with those professional people can really make a huge difference. Um, it's basically what I do instead of therapy. And, uh, not that I'm saying you should leave your therapist. Like if you love your therapist, go for it. Um, but it's that kind of important to me. Yeah. Yeah, working with a professional is is so so important because they're more of a neutral party. Like your friends know you already, and then to your po- point, Joanna, like they're usually struggling with the same things as you are. And oftentimes, a therapist or a, or a coach or a nutrition counselor has gone on this road before you, and so they're offering their own insights and their own experience to it. But they're also likely a neutral party to you. And so they're able to call you on things that maybe your friends aren't comfortable calling you on and hold up a mirror to you when you are slipping back into old behaviors and identifying um, your self-worth and value with external things instead of finding it internally and actually show you how to do that because that's not something that's just easy to figure out, right? Like somebody who can uh, yeah, hold your hand and direct you towards that new way of being mm-hmm. that's most in alignment with you and your highest good. And it's so connected to everything else. Um, You know, I started seeing Daphne to talk about food. And now we talk about my career and my relationship and all those things. Because all that stuff is connected and um, influenced by how much I am or am not thinking about food and exercise and bodies. Um, So it's, it's, it's big. 
the the stuff you can be talking about is is big. It's important. We're so lucky we have this community. And I was thinking about how your Instagram feed, Holly, you're talking about you um, you attract more body positive accounts, and then you start to look for um, different Instagram feeds, and you see awesome stylish um, things that make you feel empowered. Um, but we are so lucky and I'm so grateful that this community is growing and then tangenting off of all the social media we're talking about can I just say Miss Holly um, your social media is is fantastic and that I've actually had moments where something you posted would pop up and it it, it was exactly what I needed at that moment in time and I was able to carry it with me throughout the entire day so, Holly, if people are looking for you on the internet or social media, um, first of all, do you, I seem to remember that you do some of your work online or over, or not potentially remotely, is that true? Yeah, all of my work. All of my work, with the exception of in-person workshops that I might do at various locations around the city, is, is um, over Zoom. So I can work with people literally all over the world. Which awesome. Is really so how awesome. do they find you? So they can find me on social media on uh, my Instagram page. I'm probably the most active there. So loveyourbody underscore HC. I do a lot within a private Facebook group just because of the community building aspect of it, giving people the opportunity to share their experience, build community, learn this new language together. Um, and then I'm also very active on my personal Facebook page because I'm just so sick of Facebook's algorithms Uh like (laughs) just like it's it's like your Facebook business page is completely um unreachable unless you pay hundreds of hundreds of dollars so it's like why even be there so Facebook group and then my personal Facebook um which I'm happy to be friends with anybody who wants to be friends with me (laughs) um and if they want to go to your website Yes, www.loveyourbodyhc.com. For Love Your Body Health Coach, mm-hmm. I assume. Uh, awesome. We'll link to all your stuff in our show notes and um, post, do some reposting on Instagram. So if you want to find Holly, uh, we'll make it easy. Um, Holly, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at Just One More Podcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.